Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Is It Worth It? We're a short gaming podcast in which I review a game that is rare and or valuable, mostly, usually both, and I pull it down from my shelf, I play it, and I tell you whether or not I would pay current prices for said game. Hello, I'm your host, Blaine J, and today I'm going to be reviewing Silverload for the PlayStation. This was also released on the PC back in 1996 by, oh god, I want to say it was Absolute to put this out, but I'm not absolutely positive of that. Um, It's a story about, well, about a cowboy and vampires. It's kind of a cowboy horror story, which is both rare and pretty wonderful, actually. You play the part of the mysterious gunslinger. You don't really know much about yourself when you start the game. It's basically an adventure game, kind of in the same vein as Snatcher, which I've reviewed, or uh, if you're more familiar with the point-and-click adventures like uh, Monkey Island or uh, Shadowgate, The Uninvited, Deja Vu, things of this nature. It plays a lot like that, except for, unlike all the aforementioned titles, instead of having like a side panel with a with commands like push, pull, get, you know, use, etc. Um, you instead have buttons that are assigned to two separate things, and when you press them, it'll switch between them. Like, say you press the, oh, I don't know, the triangle button, it might be an eyeball, which indicates look, and then if you press the X button, it'll execute look, but if you press the triangle again, it'll switch over to maybe sleep or talk, and then you press the X button, and it'll do that. So it takes a little while to kind of get used to. It's kind of actually a wonky system overall, but once you get used to it, it kind of becomes second nature, and you kind of forget, and it's nice not to have the uh, the whole bar like you have on these other games uh, taking up a lot of the space that could otherwise be used for visuals and whatnot. So on Silverload, you have the entirety of the screen instead of just a very small section that you work with uh, when dealing with visuals and whatnot. So that's good. Anyway, the game starts out, you get a little cutscene of some vultures flying around. Not really sure what that's about uh, outside of later in the game. These vultures uh, are known to be kind of the eyes and ears of... uh, the uh, ultimate badass, uh, who's this priest that's uh, a satanic priest that's kind of over everything that's going on at Silverload. But uh, other than that, I don't really know the significance. And then you kind of zoom into this scene with a couple of wagons and uh, this guy kind of crouched over a fire. Well, you go over and talk to him and he explains to you that he was on the trail uh, going to Silverload, him and uh, some other families, but were all dying off one by one. His his wife Mary died, and all that was left was himself, his son Ben, and uh, this couple, the Kaplans, uh, John and Joanne Kaplan. Now, uh, in the middle of the night, Ben was stolen away from them, and uh, John Kaplan attempted to save Ben and uh, shot one several times, but was shot back in return, and uh, he's not doing so hot. And uh, they, they took Ben off in the night, and this guy, uh, he's not actually named, but he's Ben's father, and he asks, uh, please, for your help. I, I don't know where you came from or what, but uh, you're here, and he's asking for your help. You can ask him if he can help you in return, and he gives you a fucking bag of beans. Um, yay. You can use this to uh, heal some health um, if you get damaged a little bit. It's a unique item that heals some health. Uh, whatever, not so great. He says it's all he can give. Um, woohoo. 
to get to Silverlow, there's a giant storm, which these monsters, they say, in the middle of the night, once they describe them, they sound very much like uh, vampires, came out in the middle of the night and stole Ben. But the storm is still there, and they, they can't navigate through it. And when the monsters took them, they ran back into the so- storm to Silverlode, and unfortunately, none of these people, the survivors, are able to try and go after them. So it's up to you. So uh, if you try and enter the storm right now, you'll just get hopelessly lost, and you won't be able to see because your eyes will become completely blurry from all this dust that's blowing around because, of course, this is set in a Western-style, you know, desert-type landscape. So... Before you can head out, you got to find some equipment or you won't be able to go. So you duck into the uh, only other wagon there, and uh, you see uh, this woman uh, holding presumably her husband, um, and he has been shot. So this is the aforementioned John and Joanne Kaplan, obviously. And um, you can talk to them, and Joanne is uh, very very much not into you. She kind of doesn't trust what you're doing. And uh, John is kind of the voice of reason saying, hey, you know, this is really the only chance we got. So uh, we need to support him in any way we can. And he hands you a compass. And uh, he says it's brought him luck. Well, it's going to enable you to navigate through the storm. So you equip this in your right hand. And um, then you uh, also look around this wagon, and there's a Bible sitting there. And if you examine it, uh, the main character says something to the effect of, you know, I'm not much on religion. However, I could probably at some point use the paper. So you grab it up. Then you can use your uh, gear, which means use, to uh, open a chest. And you see a teddy bear sitting there, which you can grab. And if you do, uh, well, you have to. But Joanne says something to the effect of, oh, you'd steal from a child. I knew you were a piece of crap, you know, whatever. And uh, underneath the teddy bear is a pair of goggles that um, you can grab. And as soon as you grab it, uh, you hear this bell ring. Every time you hear a bell ring, it means you've just obtained an item that you have to have in order to progress in the game. So that's kind of cool. And you can immediately put these on your face. And it tints everything green. And it also has the... uh, added effect of when you go into the storm, you, you're able to uh, see and navigate that. So now armed with the compass and the goggles, you're able to enter this storm. And uh, you basically just go whichever way the compass is pointing. And, you know, it's a randomized thing every time, so you can't just, like, memorize up left, right, left, or something like that and go in without the compass. You actually have to have it. And uh, once you get through whatever it's, you know, designed for you, uh, you end up in Silverload. And um, you come to this big open archway. And the archway says, you know, welcome to Silverload, although part of the sign is missing. And it also has a population sign sitting there. And it says 15,000, but that has been scratched out. Underneath it, it says 10,000. That has been scratched out. And underneath that, it says 293, to which um, the main character says something effective. My God, was there was there a plague here? What's happened, you know? And uh, it's kind of ominous, but, you, you know, you have to walk past it. And you walk past that, and you're on this path. And it's dead of night, and your character says something to the effect of, I swear I see something moving in the darkness. Now off to your left, you'll notice a cemetery, and off to your right is more cemetery, and you see a guy swinging from a noose. But if you linger in this area too long at night right now, you'll be attacked by um, a werewolf. You get this little cutscene, and your health goes down pretty dramatically, and you can only do that a couple times before you actually die. So instead of lingering around searching this area, you just head straight into town for now, and we'll come back later in the morning when uh, these werewolves aren't running around. Um, As soon as you enter town, you get a couple of cutscenes, one of which is um, this anthropologist. Uh, he fits into the storyline, but you really can kind of skip him all together. Um, and he's writing about his experiences in Silverload and how, um, you know, it's a messed up town. There's all kinds of evil stuff going on, like we didn't know that, right? And then it goes to another scene with a uh, town sheriff and this uh, aforementioned priest that's the satanic leader of whatever's going on and they're discussing back and forth about uh, you and uh, how they don't want you coming into town and you know blah 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 take care of them kind of thing well then after the cutscene uh, you're placed in front of this uh, inn you know hotel silverload awesome now you can immediately enter the inn or you can go to the left side and there's a barn and an alleyway if you go into the alleyway you can enter the kitchens of the inn where you can pick up a butcher's knife and a frying pan which 
you'll need both of those to continue the game and you'll hear that bell ring again two times. Um, after that you can leave, you can uh, go into the barn there to get a night's rest uh, for free, but if you do so, you have to pick up this stick that's sitting in the barn, turn around and place that in the barn door to kind of brace it, otherwise you'll get another cutscene after you try and go to sleep, a werewolf will show up and eat you, which you don't want that. And the other way, and probably the better way to do it, is to enter the inn, uh, you ring a little bell, this kind of creepy mofo comes out, and you talk to him, and you, you tell him you're just passing through. If you say you're there to uh, try and find these outlaws that have stolen Ben, uh, he'll say, hey man, I, I don't want you staying in my motel. But if you say, I'm just passing through, he'll say, okay, I'll rent you a room for the night for $2. Now you start the game with $29, so it's not a big deal to spend two of that. And when you spend two, he hands you a key and he makes you hand over your gun. And he says he'll uh, return that gun in the morning behind the uh, counter. And you can just look behind the counter and he'll place it there. So you take the key and you go upstairs and uh, you see three rooms, uh, one of which is marked number two, that's your room. The other two are locked. Uh, one is adjacent to you, door number one. And um, <clears throat> you use the key on your door to unlock it and there's also a chair in the hallway that you need to pick up um, so you can actually pick up a chair and your character says I don't know what I'm going to use this for but typically in these type of games if you can pick an item up you need to be picking it up there's very very few times where an item is just complete chaff in these games although sometimes especially on the Monkey Island games there is a ton of them but in this game in particular most items can be used in one way or another so you pick up the chair and you enter in this room and it's kind of a messy room. There's a bunch of shit everywhere, books and things in the floor. And you notice a bookshelf that you can uh, manipulate and push. Well, when you push it aside, there is a little uh, door that's locked. Now, you can at this time, or you could have before actually, looked behind the counter after the innkeeper went back into his room. You can look and there's a uh, list of people that are, that's behind the counter that you can pick up. And if you do, there's a small key there and you can pick that key up as well. And you can use that key here to open this little tiny door behind the bookshelf and it's actually a secret passage to the room adjacent to you where you'll find the anthropologist, anthro, I don't know, whatever he is, he's some sort of doctor. <laughs> and he's uh, next door and he's just terrified. He's locked himself in there because he knows that they're after him. And he kind of explains to you some of the stuff that's going on. And he, he's kind of gone crazy a little bit. But uh, other than some dialogue, uh, you really don't get anything for doing this. So you can do it. It's kind of neat to see. And then uh, you go back into your room and you both lock the door and place the chair that you just got underneath the doorknob. Otherwise, when you try and go to sleep, you guessed it, more werewolves will come to eat your throat in the night. So definitely prop that chair up if you're going this route. Or if you want to do the free route in the barn, you can totally do that. Uh, there are a lot of rats and stuff running around in the barn, but they don't seem to bother you. So, you know, if you want to save some money, do that. If you want to see the cutscenes and whatnot and the dialogue options, go the other route. But really, either one will bring you to the same end, uh, only the... the uh, the one with more dialogue will cost you $2. So after that, you wake up and you exit the inn and you see these guys beating the crap out of another guy. It's like four on one. And they're just kicking this poor bastard and there's really no reason for this kind of violence. And your character says something to the effect of, I need to teach these guys a lesson. Well, you can walk over to him and you see this guy. He's got blonde stringy hair and he's wearing what looks like a uh, Union soldier's outfit. He kind of looks like he could be uh, the lead singer to a Leonard Skinner cover band or something. He's really uh, kind of eh, scudsy looking fella. And um, you engage him in conversation and uh, he basically tells you it's none of his biz your business why he's beating the crap out of this guy and to walk on. Now, you can just kind of skirt the issue and say that it doesn't really bother you that he's beating the crap out of the guy and leave him alone, and that'll be the end of it. But that's no fun. So you could tell this guy, his name is Kane, by the by, to uh, stick it in his ear. You're going to teach him a lesson. And uh, if you do so, you immediately go into the only part of this game that is really like a video game. You enter this sequence... <clears throat> 
that plays a lot like Virtual Cop, if you've ever played it. You're kind of on rails, and your character moves automatically, and uh, you have a gun, and you're able to uh, shoot these guys that pop out as your character moves around, and they shoot at you, and each time they do, you, you, know, you get hurt. Well, um, after you defeat all of them, you see the poor bastard they beat up, and you kind of think, oh, I'll go over and talk to this guy. Well, the game won't let you. It just says something to the effect of, oh, that poor bastard's not going to make it. And <laughs> that's it. As soon as you move one panel over, if you try and move immediately back, that guy is already dead and buried because he is never mentioned again in the game. So that was all for naught, but still kind of fun to kick all those boys' butts, right? So you do that, you move on to the next scene, and you see these two buildings side by side. One is labeled Barber, one is labeled General Store. Let's go in the General Store first. So you enter the General Store, and you see this pretty atypical-looking uh, general store keeper, you know, kind of a fat guy with an apron, you know, you're talking about the late 1800s, I believe the game is set in 1879, so imagine every movie you've seen with Clint Eastwood where there was an innkeeper, that's this guy, and he opens his mouth, and he is voiced by, um, someone that has never attempted a Scottish accent doing a Scottish accent, it is terrible, but, it is what it is. It's one of those instances where they probably didn't hire voice actors. They probably just hired people from, you know, around, you know, whatever interns they had or what have you. And uh, you can talk to him, but he doesn't have much to say on any given subject. Uh, he's mainly there just to sell you things, which you can buy some gumballs from him, which will heal you one time heal. You can buy some oil from him, a uh, lantern, Coleman-style lantern, uh, some matches, bullets, I believe, are available here, and uh, bandages. You can buy, like, these ace bandages that kind of heal you and stuff. And they're all relatively cheap, and like I said, you have, like, 29 bucks to start. So you can buy everything in this room, and several of the items you will need to progress in the game. After which you can leave and go right next door to the barbershop where you're greeted with equally bad voice acting, only in the, this case it's not Scottish, this guy's from Transylvania and he's a barber. And you can talk to him and you can tell him, hey, I killed Cain. And when you do that, oh, uh, he doesn't like it, he becomes very serious and he says something to the effect of, you know, you should not have done that. But then he gets over it, apparently, because he offers you a, a, a shave and a bath. And, oh, you know, it's dusty out there. Surely you need a shave and a bath. Well, you can or cannot do this. You can go either way. But let's go ahead and do it because it's more fun. If you do get a shave and bath from this guy, when this guy's shaving you, he cuts you, of course, in a game full of werewolves and vampires and a guy that sounds like he's trans from Transylvania, he's going to cut you. And he cuts you, and he tells you immediately, oh, no, sir, you must leave immediately. And you leave, and now the door to the barbershop is locked. And then a cutscene happens, and it shows um, said barber going to the crazy priest guy, and he says something like, I, uh, I got a vial of his blood master. And he says, you know, oh, you have done well. You have done your job well, or whatever. Pat the guy on the back. So, you know cool that may come up later why they want your blood we don't know yet but they have some way of testing it i'm sure being you know evil satanic vampires so you walk past that and you see this guy sitting on a cart outside of a saloon and when you gauge him in conversation he sounds kind of like uh, the biggest dumbass you've ever met the town idiot more or less and he tells you that he's uh, taking supplies back and forth from the mine and uh, he is so tired, but they won't let him sleep until his work's done, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he also mentions that he could really use a refreshing beverage. I believe he actually uses the word beer. So, hey, there's a saloon right there. And sure enough, if you go immediately into the saloon, uh, the bartender there will offer to sell you beer, tequila, and whiskey. And you can buy not one, but two beers for this guy. And if you give them both to him, he falls asleep. Well, that's great news because on his cart is a crowbar that you have to have to continue in the game and a sledgehammer. So grab these items up. Then go back into the saloon. There's a guy that'll gamble with you. He plays like this little dice game uh, called Snakebite. And uh, if I remember right, he's basically there just in case you do run out of money. There are certain items in the game that he will uh, gamble money against and you can win some money that way to like continue in the game. And the way Snakebite works is you can uh, roll the dice, and if your number is higher than his, he'll give you money, vice versa. 
um, whatever you bet. But if you hit snake eyes, that player immediately loses and play, pays double. So, you know, whatever. It's kind of, you know, one of those type of games where if you really want to make money, uh, you just kind of save right before you gamble and then save after each win kind of thing you know you kind of cheat the system or there are some loaded dice that you can find uh, upstairs and uh, use but if you do that four times in a row he'll pull a gun on you and you'll have to kill him but you know you'll there's really not much money you need in this game so whatever you want to do here it's kind of up to your discretion if you're fiddle farting around with that guy you can uh go upstairs you see a figure of a woman and she's kind of been mentioned downstairs uh, her name is Sheila and she's kind of the owner of the establishment well you go upstairs and she's your atypical owner of a bar for that era she looks like you know your typical western madam she's wearing a very revealing black outfit with a lot of feather boas and what have you and um, you engage her in conversation and uh, ask her about Ben and she says, shh, not here. Climb up the tree outside of my room and I'll tell you what you need to know. And then she immediately goes, how dare you? And slaps you across the face. And as you're kind of staggering, reeling from that, she walks into her room and locks the door. So you can go outside now and you'll notice there's a tree that leads up to a window and you can climb it and enter her bedroom. And she'll start talking to you. And she kind of lets it slip when she refers to you as a mortal, that maybe she's not a mortal. So um, keep that in mind. She's obviously more than she seems. And as you're getting into the conversation, um, the, the door starts to rattle. And she says, oh God, he's here. Quick, hide. Well, if you don't immediately uh, use the little boot icon to walk your ass under the bed, the door opens and it's the sheriff. And he says, what? What are you doing here? And he pulls his gun out and uh, shoots you dead. So let's jump under that bed. Well, you jump under the bed and you listen to them talk back and forth. And it's just a bunch of shit about you and about the kidnapping a little bit. And uh, then he leaves and you go back out and you know, there's some more dialogue with Chica there. And uh, you're able to leave the saloon afterwards. So you can leave now and you go you can go immediately and talk to the sheriff who is now in the jail. And if you talk to him, not much happens, it's just dialogue. He basically tells you you have until noon tomorrow to get out of town or he's gonna kill you. So, yeah, great. Now we have that on our head. Um, so you walk past him, you'll notice there's a statue outside of the jail that has something glittering underneath it but you can't quite touch it yet. So let's leave that alone. And you can go past him to um, this area where you're gonna need a rope. Okay, so let's go get that rope. Now, remember how we saw earlier in the game the guy swinging from the tree, um, or not tree, I guess it's a, what do you call it, a gallows or whatever, just outside of town. And uh, we didn't want to linger there because a werewolf would come and attack us. Well, let's go back there now that it's daylight and uh, the werewolf won't be there. So you see this guy swinging from the gallows and uh, if, it's kind of hard to manipulate but if you get your little boot icon to walk you can actually uh, get real close to the gallows and then use the walk icon on the very top of the gallows and your character will actually climb it and you'll be kind of looking down on this guy. And when you get to this part you can take out your butcher knife that we got from the kitchen earlier and uh, cut his ass down and he'll fall down and uh, then you can climb back down and uh, collect this rope. So you grab the rope up. You can also check his coat pocket and I said earlier that you could find um, loaded dice upstairs in the bar but that's if you play the PC version. If you're playing the PlayStation version the loaded dice are uh, in this guy's pocket. Um, at least to the best, I haven't played the PC version but I was kinda half looking at a walkthrough, half playing the game myself to try and uh, not miss anything and um, I, I didn't see the dice myself upstairs but the walkthrough I was looking through said they were. I was like okay they're up there somewhere I didn't care to get them because I remembered getting them when I was younger. Well you get them from this guy and they work just like I told you uh, they did um, before but they're in this guy's pocket which thematically is actually kind of cool because maybe he was you know cheating uh, your Mexican friend that plays snake bite and maybe the Mexican guy killed him or whatever. And that's kind of neat. 
or uh, got him hung. Anyway, so now we're armed with a rope, and uh, let's go past where the sheriff was, past where Sheila was, is hanging out in her bar, and uh, you keep going down that road there, and you'll end up at kind of a crossroads, and right in smack dab in the middle is a morgue, and there's a uh, undertaker standing out from the morgue, along with two bodies in these old-timey kind of caskets that you've seen in countless Western movies that are just basically uh, the cheapest of wood nailed together, you know, um, not much... Uh, protection from the elements you know worms are going to get in and eat your ass within a month or two but you know this is before modern day uh, coffins so whatever and these guys are propped up and you'll notice one guy has a hook on his hand and the uh, uh the other gentleman is just all shot up and in front of him is a hammer uh, both are items that you need, but if you try and take them, this Undertaker is going to stop you, obviously. Well, you get to talk to the Undertaker, and you learn these were uh, known criminals, you know, uh, somewhat famous. And as such, as was commonplace uh, back in the day, uh, you could get your picture taken with them as kind of a souvenir. So, if you ask the Undertaker, yes, you know, I would like to get my picture taken with these two uh, bad boys, then... He'll go into the morgue there to fetch his camera, and while he's doing this, you get a couple of seconds, you can take the dude's hook right off his hand and the hammer in front of the other guy. And don't worry, if he comes out too soon, you can just say, hey, I'd like to have another one for my buddy or whatever, and you can keep taking photos. Each time it costs you a nominal fee, but, you know, no big deal. Money's not really uh, that tight within this game. So, you get your hammer. You get your hook, you get your stupid picture that has no other relevance in the game, but, you know, hey, souvenir, me in front, in front of these uh, two dead guys. Uh, weird. Anyway, um, let's move on, let's go... Oh gosh, from here... Duh, 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 duh. Let's go to uh, meet up with the anthropomologist's buddy who uh, is holed up in this barn down the street uh, to the left of the the gravekeeper's place, I believe. Anywho, uh, he's he's easily found. Now, you know what? I think first I went to the gun shop. It doesn't really matter the order you go in, but you can go to a gun shop, which is to the right, I believe, of the gravekeeper. And um, there's this shop, and as I said, it's a gun shop, and he'll sell you guns. Well, you can buy a new gun, upgrade the one you got. I don't know that it has any gameplay value, other than you just get a bigger gun, but it costs quite a bit. Uh, I didn't buy it, uh, so I don't know if it actually does anything. Um, but one of the items you are going to need is a bullet maker, because um, you learn in the game that uh, the only thing, well, I mean, you learn through the game, but you also should just know the only thing that hurts werewolves is uh, silver. But through reading transcripts in the game and um, such different different things, you slowly uncover uh, that the reason everyone in Silverload became werewolves is because they attacked these poor Indians that were basically living on this reservation in the area once they learned that this town was chocked full of silver. These mines are just full of silver. So they killed them all and tried to sweep it under the rug, so to speak. And um, when they did this, uh, with the dying breath, the, the shaman of the Indians cursed everyone that lived within Silverload to be allergic to that which they desired the most, silver. So there you go. Everyone turned into werewolves. Now, earlier I did say vampires, and to my credit, uh, a lot of times these werewolves are depicted with still human features, and they just grow fangs, and they and they look more like a vampire than they do a werewolf. But I, I do believe that all the characters in the game are actually werewolves, not vampires, so I apologize for that. But anyway, um, gosh, where was I? Oh, we're going to go see the anthropomologist buddy. So you go after you pick up the silver bullet maker, and you can buy, like I said, a new gun and some bullets from this guy. Um, but you need the bullet maker. Let's go see the anthropologist buddy. Well, first, before you get to him, you get to this like abandoned house, and you see, or not abandoned house, it's actually a uh, a slaughterhouse, and you see these two little kids, and they're huddled over something. And you can't quite make out what it is. So if you examine this more closely, they'll turn around and you get a shock scare 
where these two kids are covered in blood and they've got fangs and they're uh, eating like a poor little pig or a rabbit or something you can't quite make out because you know graphics back then not the best but it's it's still a pretty disturbing scene and then they take off but you're uh, left actually wounded pretty bad they actually hurt you pretty bad on their uh, escape now i think you can just walk past these guys but that's no fun but afterwards uh, whether you decide to walk past them or not the next screen over you'll see an abandoned house and uh, if you enter it here's this guy and I, I forgot his name but he's the anthropologist's friend that when they showed up um, one of them got bitten and ran off and the other one holed himself up in the inn and you're, you're able to talk to him and get some dialogue but again it's nothing you need to know to further the story it's just there but this guy you need to further the story there's some stuff in front of him that you want to get but if you try and grab any of it he's going to try and attack you because he's actually going through the change of becoming a werewolf and he's not quite all there he's he's craving something he keeps saying like blood or you know something over and over kind of creepy so to uh, sate his thirst for uh, blood you're gonna have to bring him well blood so remember the slaughtered house next door well let's go over there now, well, actually, before we go over there, right outside this abandoned house, you see a well. And there's, if you peer into it, there's a bucket at the bottom, but there's, uh, there's no way to reach it. Now, I think here you attach, I don't know if it made you attach or not. I think you attach the stupid hook to the rope, and then you put the rope on the crank and lower it in and pull the bucket up. I could be wrong. You might just lower the rope, I can't remember which. It seems like you would need a hook because it'd be really weird and awkward. No, that's right. You put the rope on and you actually climb your ass down yourself. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but yeah. So you put the rope on the well and then you climb your ass down. You pick up the bucket and you climb back out. And be sure to pick that rope back up because we're still going to need it for a later, uh, later puzzle. Now you have a bucket but you'll need to collect the blood. Now let's go over to the slaughterhouse and you enter and you see all these pigs just scrambling everywhere in a pen and if you kind of turn to the right you'll see pigs just hanging by their feet. These are the ones you want. Now use the bucket on the pig, it sets the pig uh, or the bucket beneath uh, that pig and then you use your butcher's knife on the pig's throat and it'll start bleeding out the bucket and you get the item bucket of blood. Yay! Not the uh yeah, it's kind of creepy, but anyway, so we take our sloshing bucket of fresh pig blood to uh, this guy next door who's still going apeshit for uh, blood, and you hand it to him, and he greedily just starts gulping it down. It's kind of a disturbing scene once again, and you get some dialogue with the guy, and he tells you that, you know, he's damned and to save yourself kind of thing, and uh, jumps out the window. He rips off his shirt with a howl, and he kind of jumps out the damn window. Well, now you're able to gather up the items in front of him. So, dude jumps out the window, um, after which you're able to grab uh, the book, uh, a shovel, and some tongs. Uh, the latter two are needed. The other one is uh, there to give you some history. It tells you a little bit more about uh, the history of Silverload and how they uh, really uh, screwed over the Indians and what have you. Well go back to the statue that um, I mentioned earlier that's uh, got something shiny underneath it but you just can't quite reach it and now we're armed with these tongs you're able to reach within with these tongs and pull something out and it's a uh, badge with a star on it a certain like star symbol and uh, I guess that's a well it's it's used later to open a door to prove that you're part of some kind of clan or something never really explained that I remember but anyway you're gonna need it so let's take that shit um, now let's go by the kitchen and uh, use the crowbar the kitchen that where we got our butcher's knife and whatnot from earlier in the game and let's use the crowbar on the floorboards because from um, Sheila and the anthropomologist buddy I think also mentioned um, that they had uh, you know got these artifacts. Uh, the artifacts are the dead bones of, uh, of these Indians and stuff. Well, you pry up the floorboards and this is where they're stuffing all these dead bodies and they're trying to get rid of them and that's why they asked the anthropologist and his, uh, his buddy, who I believe was a blacksmith, um, 
to come into town to grab these artifacts, quote unquote, and uh, go study them elsewhere because as long as these bones or, or any part of them are within Silverload, uh, their curse remains. So you go down there and you're rewarded with a cutscene uh, after you open up this crate and you see uh, these bones and uh, it's creepy old man voice. <laughs> It's the old, uh, like, real overly airy, like, Oh, you must grab my bone, you know. Uh, sorry, as poorly acted as that was, is as poorly acted as it is within the game. Um, no kind of American Indian uh, accent or whatever at all. It just sounds like your typical old man voice. But he tells you um, that you're going to need his skull to help you along. So you pick up a skull, so now you're carrying a skull, great. Um, from here, let's go back to the cemetery at the beginning of the game just outside of town because the skull tells you that um, dig up your past. So you go there and there's uh, two different graves that you can dig up, uh, one of which you dig up and there's just this um, seal, this like glowing seal and you can smash that with your hammer and that allows you to uh, do some things within the mayor's manor here in a bit that otherwise you couldn't it's kind of like a, a magical barrier or whatever the other one you can dig up is this couple and uh, you use your newly found shovel obviously to dig them up and um, you see a husband and wife embraced and around the man's neck is a locket well within this locket uh, is is them holding a little boy obviously not related to them he's a young Indian boy well that boy you learn through this spirit that is now talking um, through the skull you're holding is you dun 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 so you were the last survivor of this tribe um, and this lovely couple as you apparently ran away from the slaughter that's going on uh, took you in and uh, then they were found out and slaughtered themselves, but somehow uh, you managed to escape. And that explains why you would be willing to do this all for a bag of beans, I guess. Um, you're all grown up now and ready to rock. So you take the locket from around your adopted father's neck, and uh, it is noted that it's made of silver. And that's good, but you're going to need it. Um, let's see from here actually you know what from I was going to do the entirety of the game but there's actually still quite a bit more to this game and it looks like if I were to do that it would probably add at least another I don't know 30 minutes to an hour to this podcast which you know I was looking to make this one a little bit longer than normal maybe an hour in length or so so this is a good place to stop the revelation that you're part of this Indian tribe that was massacred. In fact, you're the last living member and you're out for revenge. You've learned a few things that they're allergic to silver, etc. Um, from here, basically, you go to the mayor's house. You do some overly complicated shit to uh, get into his like laboratory where he's got a damn uh, voodoo doll of you and um, some other things that are going on. And you can smash this all up with your hammer and leave. And then um, you're, you can take Sheila to the mines themselves um, to try and get her father. Because the only reason she's uh, helping you is they've got her father at the mines working as slave labor, basically. And you go to the mines and uh, you have to present the uh, symbol that I just said. Um, there's other stuff in here I'm kind of leaving out, I'm summarizing. Um, they let you in, but then there's a fight, you fight the mine workers, and then uh, Sheila's dad's reunited with his daughter, you get a few things, uh, some gloves and some other shit. And you go into the mines themselves, and you travel to the astral world, talk to the spirit gods, it's kind of wonky from here, you come back, as you're trying to exit, the sheriff is waiting for you, tells you to put your guns in a mine cart, and send them out. Uh, instead, you find a stick of dynamite through your travels in the actual mines. You stick that in there. You light it up and you send that out. You blow them all the kingdom come. Um, you know, it continues kind of like this uh, to the final, you know, just 
puzzle, etc., etc. And the final battle with uh, the sheriff and the uh, the evil, uh, not Undertaker, priest. And they're all um, werewolves and they require silver bullets, which you're able to make now after you get some silver from the mines. And um, melt it down using the pan over the fire. And you put it in the bullet maker. Yiggity yak, you got some fucking bullets. You use these things. Two shots each, they're dead. Kind of hard, but not really. And then you're awarded with the, for all this trouble, with one of the worst uh, endings ever. You're, you just, it shows the little boy uh, that you started the mission trying to save run to you and uh he jumps on you and you put him on your shoulders and he's laughing and you kind of walk in the distance and that's in a nutshell i know i rushed the ending but that's Silverload. um i gotta say i love adventure games i love anything cowboy era don't ask me why i don't know i just love that era and I love anything having to do with the occult, vampires, werewolves, all that kind of stuff. It's all bread, my bread and butter, man. I love that stuff. So you put all that together with, you know, the storyline's a little weak and the gameplay's a little weak. But still, man, this is one that uh, I really enjoyed playing. Um, is it worth it? Well, the PlayStation version is starting to trend upwards a bit. Uh, I'm seeing it sell for $40, $50, Even so, I would say this one's worth it, guys. Um, if you're a fan of the adventure genre, this one's going to get you about 9 to 12 hours of gameplay. You know, maybe a little less because you almost just listened to a complete walkthrough of it. You can rush through this game if you don't know what, if, or rather, if you do know what to do. Pretty quickly. You could probably speed run the damn thing in 10 or 15 minutes. Um, but not knowing what to do, it's going to take you a little while to get through it. And I tried to leave some stuff toward the end out. Because if you do decide to play it, I want you to have some fun. And because I got tired of just going through the game piece by piece by piece. So I kind of sped it up there at the end. Um, anyway, that's Silverload. Now... Uh, I did mention in the last podcast that I would be attending BitCon, which I did. I brought the fam with me, and it was great. And uh, I, I did a little more trading than I thought I would. I kind of took my own advice. Um, I brought some of these games that I own that are kind of high dollar that really aren't worth owning. Like uh, I grabbed Zombie Nation. You may remember episode one. That game's selling for $200 now. It jumped from the, the time I made episode one till now... It jumped $50. Now, I paid $3.95 for my copy, so that was looking like pretty good trade fodder to me. So I grabbed it up. Uh, Wayne's World for the NES is one that wouldn't even warrant a podcast um, because you can't really talk about it. The, the whole game is just fluff. There's really nothing to it at all. And uh, for some reason, quite rare, worth 100 bucks. Again, I paid about 3 bucks, 4 bucks for my copy, and it's not a game that I really care to own. So having done this podcast, I started thinking, you know, like, man, maybe I should turn some of these games into games I do want. Well, BitCon was an excellent opportunity for that. And I brought those games, uh, along with some others, and uh, some Magic cards, because as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I do play Magic, that were extra, along with me to BitCon. And I traded off those games some uh, magic cards and what have you, and I ended up with about $600 that I could play with that I wasn't expecting to have. And I used that money to buy um, Shining Force 3 for the Sega Saturn, which is a game I've been looking for forever. That that cost me about 100 And the big one, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Um, this is a game I've been looking for for, uh, oh, 20, 25 years. Um, it's an RPG, and uh, I asked Derek and Dawn if it would be okay if I were to talk about Panzer Dragon Saga, because um, it is an RPG, and I didn't want to step on their toes, and they said, hey man, have at it. If we ever happen to review the same thing, who cares? So I love that they're that nonchalant about things, 
So, boom. I don't know that it's going to be the next episode necessarily, because Panzer Dragon Saga is an RPG and it takes a little bit of time to play. I have been playing it. It is great. I got through uh, the entirety of disc one. Um, it's a four-disc game, however. So, perhaps next month, maybe the month after that or so, uh, I will be doing uh, Panzer Dragon Saga. So, yay for BitCon, yay for trading off shitty games for good ones. And, uh, yeah, I picked that up, and if, if you don't know the value of that game, uh, it's a car payment, man. It, or a shitty house payment. Like, if you own a two-bedroom house, you could pay that month's bill with uh, Panzer Dragon Saga. It, it is a pricey one to own, and uh, the, the copy I got is immaculate. All four discs are present. Uh, all the inserts were still there. It only had one previous owner um, who wasn't actually the, uh, the guy selling it to me, so I guess technically two, but apparently it was his best friend looking to sell his copy, and he bought it back in 98 uh, when the game was released. So I'm really excited to be able to finally play this game because uh, the Saturn is notorious for not being able to be emulated very well. So I never even bothered trying to emulate the game. It was just always one I always wanted to play. And for the most part, it's living up to the hype. It, it is a little dated, but it still looks pretty good. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter, at RetroKel. Um, I'm also on Facebook under uh, the Retro Kids 1000 I believe. I'm on YouTube uh, under the Retro Generation. You can email me at... Um, Simon Belmont at Outlook.com That's Simon S-I-M-E-N B-E-L-M-O-N-T at Outlook.com um, I'm always welcome to any emails, suggestions about what I'm doing with the show uh, whatever, just drop me a line guys, I'd love to hear from you Anyway, that's Silverload and that's this month's podcast uh, See you next week time. Sweat. They're riding hard to catch that herd, but they.